0: Okay. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Hope you've had a great Christmas. Uh, Any French people in the audience this morning? Would you be bold enough to just put your hands up? Any French-speaking people? Uh, This is the nation that was responsible for this car. Uh, It's the Citroën Diane. This is a 1978 beige Citroën Diane. And it's famous in my life because it was the first car that I ever had. I bought it off my mum and dad, and it was very, very cheap to run. The design spec came from rural France in the 1950s. It had a 600cc engine, so I wasn't going anywhere very fast. And it was designed to take a load of eggs to market over a ploughed field. And so that suspension was very, very soft, which was kind of fun, but the cornering was awful. But it was cheap to run, and it was fun. And the reason that I share my Citroen Diane from 1978 with you this morning was it belongs to an era of cars where the milometer only had five digits, uh, so that you basically could only go up to 99,999 miles, and then what would happen would be that it would flip over back to zero. I think there's a few of us in the audience today quite like a, a new start, and a flip back to zero, get like a fresh life. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But... This car actually changed from 99,999 miles as I was driving it one day with some friends. And it was really great because we all kind of watched it and we drove a bit slower and we were checking it and gradually all the numbers went round to zero again. We gave a little cheer and it was quite a moment. But then, the moment passed. And then it was one mile and two miles and ten miles and, and I forgot about it. And do you know what? I sometimes feel like that about New Year. I don't know about you, you kind of get to the end of the year and you kind of think, oh, momentous, really big occasion, big celebration, and of course that is all fine and right and proper. But I kind of think, okay, it's a big moment, but the moment is passing. So I wanted to talk today a little bit about a crossroads from this year into the next. A crossroads from 2018 into 2019 and what that might look like for us. Over the years, I've come to believe that it's not the big decisions you make at New Year that affect your life. It's the daily stuff that you do every day. And it's the weekly stuff that you do every week that has the greatest shaping of your destiny. You can have all the resolutions you like at New Year. And bless you if you do that. And sometimes that really helps and really works. But I'm a great believer that it's what you do every day and what you do every week that has the maximum impact on the the direction that your life is going to go in. Uh, Somebody once said that if if you took a snapshot of your present day, like i.e. today or perhaps a day in the middle of February, what you're doing on that individual day is an incredibly strong indicator of how your future is being shaped by what you're doing. So if on that day you happen to be going to work and you happen to do a bit of fitness and you happen to connect a bit with family and you happen to do a bit of DIY and you, 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 you play a game or you do some sports, all of those individual things on that individual day are highly indicative of the future that you're shaping for yourself. Now, it's tempting at New Year to bring a message about how you can use your time better. Oh, of course, but I don't want to do that. And In fact, I feel like the Lord has given me a very specific phrase at something that's much more deep than the way in which we use our time i feel like the lord is saying as we cross over from 2018 into 2019 let's be a people of the cross all year let's be a people of the cross all year so at this crossing point from 2018 to 2019 Yes, it's fine to take stock and look back at the previous year. Yes, it's great to look ahead. Yes, it's fantastic to make resolutions. But fundamentally, much deeper than that, let's be a people of the cross for the whole year. And in fact, for all the years that lie ahead. Let us be people or a people of the cross. So you're sitting there thinking, wow, that sounds great. But what does that actually look like? Well, I want to unpack that just a little bit for you and explore some Common areas or pictures where we see a cross in our culture. Uh, And you'll recognize some of them. Some of them I've kind of made up to show you something or to illustrate a point. But come with me on this journey. Have you ever noticed that the cross is a schematic diagram of the two greatest commandments that were ever given by Jesus? If you think about it, the greatest... The greatest commandment is what? It's to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, isn't it? That's the greatest commandment. And that's represented by that vertical line. And God's heart is up there in heaven, and your heart is down here on earth. And your relationship with him is the, is the most important thing that there is in many, many ways. And that your heart needs to be uh, right with God, and his heart is always right towards you. But that vertical axis is a direct picture of that very first and strongest and most important commandment in the bible to love god with all your heart soul mind and strength but at the intersection of that it's also to love the people either side of you the people to your left and your to your right your neighbors your family your friends the people that you know and the and the cross seems to me to be a diagram to illustrate those most deep and most powerful commandments that jesus ever gave He gave them in in Matthew's gospel. Somebody asked him, so what's the most important thing that I should be doing? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And your your heart isn't kind of meant to be like low in a ditch. It's just, it's at the bottom of the cross there. But actually it does say that in the Bible we should prefer one another over ourselves, doesn't it? And in a sense, we should be lifting up the people around us and preferring them over and above us. And that's the first image of the cross that I want to share with you, that we should love God and that we should love other people. And I believe the cross is a schematic representation of that. <clears throat> Anyone here ever liked trying to hunt for treasure as a kid? You'd kind of make up those things where you'd, maybe, maybe one of you would actually hide the treasure and the rest of you would go and find it. Uh, that was always great fun when I was young. But one of the things that occurs to me is that the cross represents the place where the kingdom of heaven, the treasure of the kingdom of heaven, is buried. Jesus tells a parable about the kingdom of heaven, and he says it's like treasure buried in a field. And a man finds the treasure, and what he does is he goes and sells absolutely everything he has, and in his joy, he buys the field. Because he has found or stumbled upon the kingdom of heaven. And the reason I've shown you this map here is because so often in those ancient treasure maps, X marks the spot, doesn't it? Well, the cross is the spot where the kingdom of of heaven can be found. It is the representation of the kingdom of heaven in all of its entirety. When you embrace the cross, when you accept the cross in your life, when you are beneath the cross, when you lay your things down at the cross, you are basically saying, kingdom of heaven, come into me. Be aligned with me. I want to be part of who you are, Jesus, and I'm going and finding that place, and I'm putting you first. Yeah, come on. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, put the kingdom of heaven above all other things, and everything else that you kind of get into and worry about will be added to you. You know, as we go into the new year, it's kind of tempting to think about, okay, I've got to sort out my finances, I've got got the car to attend to, my kids need to get into school, I've got my job to worry about, I've got all these different things on my mind, and it's ever so easy to get into this rat race in your mind. But what Jesus says is, put me first, put the kingdom of heaven first, and then all these other things will fall into their natural place. Because the kingdom of heaven is like treasure found in a field, and the cross marks the spot where it can be found you with me still? Let's unpack a few more uh, ideas. Okay, put your hand up here if you ever had a cross from your teacher at school. Come on, be honest. We're in church. Come on, that's not very honest. We need to start from a a ground place of of honesty here. I had quite a few crosses on my work at school. I I remember one particularly bad history essay where it was just all one massive cross. I'd really not answer the question properly at all. Our teachers give us crosses when we get things wrong, and actually it's no different with the cross of Christ. The cross of Jesus is a constant reminder that we fall short of the glory of God. We get stuff wrong. We are laced with sin. We have it inside us. We we fight against it. We struggle with it. It is one of the most difficult things to deal with, but the cross deals with it. The cross is the reminder that we have inherently something wrong on the inside of us, but if we go to the cross, Jesus helps us by taking what should have been ours off of us on the cross and replacing it with his righteousness. Jesus is like the great teacher who says, you know what, I'm taking your wrong thing off you, which should be marked wrong, and I am myself placing my righteousness over you so that you can be right even though you were wrong. We get things wrong all the time. We're prone to sin. We get stuff really badly wrong sometimes. And the cross is that reminder that we are stuck in sin, but we need Jesus' help through the cross to overcome sin. I don't know if you've ever been on a journey at all, and uh, you've seen this road sign uh, at the side of the road. What this road sign means is that a new road is available ahead. You're traveling along in this direction. But in a moment, you're gonna come to a crossroads. You're gonna come to an intersection with another road. And what this sign basically says is, a new direction is possible. Well, that is exactly what we have with the cross. The cross offers us a new direction. We have the possibility of a new direction because of the cross, because of the, the new path that it offers us. It takes us in a different direction. It gives us that possibility of going in a new new direction. If you are here this morning and you've been stuck in a particular direction in your life, forever it seems, and you can't seem to break out of it, what the cross says is, there is a new direction possible. You can change course. I'm going to give you the power to change course and you can go in a new direction. That is entirely possible in me, says Jesus. The cross gives us the chance of a new direction. There's this word in the Greek which is uh, metanoia. I don't know if you've ever come across that, if anyone's ever spoken to you about metanoia, but it's basically the, the, the underlying word for repentance. And repentance is like a Christianese term for changing your mind. The cross lying ahead in your life is the opportunity that you have to change your mind, repent, and to go in a new direction a better direction and a more godly direction in your life. The cross also represents a choice. Um, when Jesus got crucified, you may remember this, but uh, in Luke's Gospel, it describes the fact that there were two thieves to the either side of Jesus on his left and on his right. And one of the, one of the thieves just hurled insults at Jesus and was completely like, oh, no, he, you know, he, he, he deserves to be here. But the other thief said... Well, no, I don't think Jesus has done anything wrong. We deserve to be here. He doesn't. And what the cross represents is it represents a choice between do we choose Jesus, like the one thief who was, kind of had a, a good attitude to Jesus even in his, his dying moments, or do we reject Jesus and, and say, no, Jesus, you're not for me? And the cross represents that choice between those two things, choosing Jesus or rejecting Jesus. And it might be that you sit here this morning and you might think to yourself, mm, I haven't really fully made up my mind, but the cross is meant to provoke you into a choice between those two things. Guys, can you take over from, uh, on the slideshow at the back? That would be great. Thank you. If you just go back one, please. Okay, forward one. Thank you very much. The cross also represents something very, very deep. The cross represents the intersection between suffering and joy. So in other words, when Jesus went to the cross, he went through the most unbelievable suffering. Uh, He was uh, nailed to the cross. He basically bled to death from all of the scourges that he'd had on his back it was the most agonizing death possible. In fact, the Roman Empire did away with crucifixion after a while because they realized it was just too inhumane. But Jesus went to the cross and he went through an immense suffering in order that we could be reunited with Father God. Now it says in Hebrews, uh, tw- uh, I think it's Hebrews twelve two. it says, uh, Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. So something happened on the cross that Jesus was very, very intentional about in in laying down and uh, giving up his life, that there was a goal in mind. And something that I want to speak to all of us today is that when you are going through something very, very difficult in 2019, in the year ahead and in the years ahead, I want you to remember this image of the cross that sometimes God permits something to happen to us in order for some fruit later down the line that we absolutely can't see. If you imagine the disciples, they must have been so disappointed when Jesus went to the cross, and um, they, 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 were, they, they ran off from the Garden of Gethsemane, they were, they were scattered, they were all over the shop, they didn't know what was happening, their leader had gone, and then Jesus appears again on the third day, and he rises, and it's all changed, and it's all different. And suddenly a new purpose starts to emerge out of the cross that we could never have envisaged or understood or, or foreseen. And in the way that God has seen it, he has presented this, this, uh, this new future out of something really, really dreadful. That, Well, it's impossible to second guess. One of the reasons that I'm a Christian is because I think to myself, who would make this stuff up? Why would you manufacture this weird story in order to make this point it seems completely authentic to me. And in fact, I'm sure that there's many people in this room and myself as well who can identify with going through a really tough time and then God bringing you out the other side. And God saying, okay, that tough time was for a reason, but here is the fruit of that. And what I want you to hold in your mind during this year as a people of the cross is that whenever you face something really, really hard or really, really difficult, Remember that Jesus has gone before you in that and I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there and say that he's gone further than you're ever gonna go in terms of suffering and He's come out the other side and the kingdom goal of that was the joy of all people united who, who, who choose Jesus We often preach the suffering of the cross But we often forget the joy for which Jesus did it and they come hand in hand and they're together Let's go on to the next slide. When you go to the polls, one of the curious things that we're asked to do is that when we put a yes against a candidate, we don't put a tick, we actually put a cross. Have you ever thought how odd that is? We, we often put a cross for something wrong or we put a cross for no, we don't want that. But when you're in the polls and you're doing your votes in the general election or local election, you get your ballot paper and you go into that little booth you are supposed to put a cross against the person you want. Well, I need to share with you today that God in heaven has put a cross on the ballot paper of you. He has put a, In fact, I, I think I'm right theologically in saying that God puts a cross on the ballot paper of every single person he's ever made. The issue is are we putting a cross back in our ballot paper back to Jesus? Do we do that? In one of the letters to Timothy, uh, Paul says words to these effects, that, that he, God wants everyone to be saved. And in my mind, that's God putting his vote of, yes, I choose you, on your ballot paper for every single person. How that then turns out, whether that turns into a page of the book of life in Revelation or not, is down to us saying, yeah, I vote for you, Jesus, back. I'm choosing you, Jesus, because I vote for you. I can see what you're trying to do. I can see that you love me. I can see that you've come for a mission and I'm voting for you in response. That's another meaning of the cross that we need to hold in our minds as we go into the new year. Just got two more images of the cross to share with you. and In fact, I'm going to ask the worship team, would you just come up and start to play? Is that okay? Would you stand with me? My message is short today, but I just want to kind of encourage you with the cross and what it means to be a people of the cross. One of the other places where we see a cross in our culture um, is we see a cross at at the end of a love letter. When people write us a letter and they put at the end, love you, and they put two crosses there. That's them saying, those are kisses for you. What God did with the cross was he sent you a kiss from heaven. He said, I love you and I'm signing my love letter off to you in the form of my son with a cross. He went to the cross to express heaven's love for you. Whenever anybody signs off a letter with a cross, remember this. The cross is the most deep and powerful form of love in the universe it's jesus saying i'm giving up my life for you in love for you because i want you to win and i want you to be with my heavenly father in heaven we're going to worship in a minute and i'm going to ask you something i want to show you one more slide that i uh, of a, of a picture of a building in birmingham You might know this building. This is a building called the Cube. It's quite a famous building. It's a great piece of architecture. And one of the things I noticed at the top of the Cube is that it's filled with crosses. You ever seen that? Thought to yourself, why have they put those there? And I hope there isn't some horrible backstory to why they've got crosses on the Cube. I'm just going to take it at face value that it's really nice we have such a prominent building with crosses built into it. And I felt when I was looking at this picture and also seeing the cube in, in, in the times sort I've been wandering around the center of town, I felt like God said to me, this is an image of what it means to be a people of the cross. That we are built into the very fabric of our, of our, of our city. That there are crosses everywhere and they represent people who follow Jesus in every walk of life, in every part of the city. So much so that they're almost part of the buildings. And so when you reflect upon the cross as we go into 2019, I want you to think, how am I being a person of the cross in the city? How am I being a person of the cross who follows Jesus and it's so deeply within me that it's almost like part of the fabric, it's part of the structure, it's part of the environment? We're going to worship now. And then we're going to just do a little bit of a response at the end. Kevin, would you lead us in a song? Thank you.